This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Episode 7 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, presented by Equestrian Life. Exclusive coverage of the world of dressage. We would like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Life. They can be found at equestrianlife.com and Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Heather Blitz in Esbjerg, Denmark, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show presented by Equestrian Life. Well, hi, Heather. Before we get started on our show today, we're going to have uh, Glenn the Geek join us because he he's can't wait to tell us about yet another show that he's added to the Horse Radio Network family. Glenn, hello. How are you? Good. Thanks for inviting me into your house, guys. <laughs> you're welcome. You know, you've always got something up your sleeve, and you seem to be adding this. I don't know where you find the time. I'm not sure where I find the time either lately, but uh, we're doing it anyway. It's a lot of fun, and I wanted to acknowledge what you mentioned last week on the Dressage Show. See, I do listen about the sound issues. It looks like we, with knock on wood, have them pretty well knocked out. For So for everybody that was tolerant of the sound issues that we've had on dressage radio the last couple of weeks i think that uh they're going to get better and and it should be just fine so i wanted to acknowledge that first and uh we have a new show coming out actually just started on sunday and that is called horse tip daily it can be found at horsetipdaily.com it's our first actual daily show on the horse radio network now, the difference is most of our other shows, like uh, your dressage show and the eventing show and all of those, are about 45 minutes to an hour long. Horse Tip Daily is 5 to 10 minutes long, and it's just what it says. We do a different horse tip every day, but the, the catch here is it's not me just doing horse tips every day. I have a different horse expert of all in all different horse fields on with me every day to give the horse tips. So every day it's something completely new by a different expert, and um, we have probably about two dozen experts now, and the, that stable is growing, that have agreed to do the shows with us and have recorded tips. So we're going to be covering all different things from training to dentistry to hoof care to funny stuff sometimes. We'll be covering which food is the best at what shows, you know, just from silly stuff to very serious stuff. And we were very lucky to have Julie Goodnight on with our first episode to do the first tip. And Heather's going to be doing it in absentia because I'm going to be stealing tips out of the dressage shows to throw over there. So <laughs> Heather's one of our experts, and she doesn't even know it yet. Um, but uh, it should be a lot of fun. I've had a blast recording these tips with, with people. Uh, the second tip, that there's two days' worth that are out now. And the second one was done by my friend Scott Trees, who's one of the top equestrian photographers in the world. And he's giving us a series of, over the period of time of the next year. He's going to give us a series of photography tips. And the first one was absolutely fabulous. I didn't, even, I, I didn't know about it. Well I, have to, uh, well, I have to say this is very timely because just last week I was plugging Heather's photography and it's a hobby for Heather, so she might be tuning into those tips herself. I'll tell you what, you, you need to check out episode two because Scott is truly one of the best. He's, he's hired by people all over the world for horse photography and other photography too. Um, he actually works in a lot of the Saudi Arabian countries photographing their palaces. 
Um, he's the official palace photographer uh, in, in many of the countries, which is kind of an interesting sideline. Side but he also photographs their Arabians, too, that are in the stables outside and their thoroughbreds and stuff. So he's just a fascinating guy. And, and, and I think you'll, you'll find all of the experts that we have just very interesting. And what I'm going to do, Chris, is at the end of this episode of, Dressage, of, of the Dressage Radio Show, if everybody, if somebody, if if the listeners want to hang around through the end credits when you guys are done, I'm going to tack on an episode of the Horse Tip Daily Show. So if they want to hear what it's like, they can just wait till the end of yours, go through the credits, and then this one will just start to give them an idea of what it's like. Oh, terrific! Well, that's a, that's great. Uh, you know, nothing like cross fertilization because it's amazing how many people that listen to one of the shows listen to probably all of them. We, we, we must have had, I sent those emails over to, to you, we must have had, what, three or four people write last week that said that exact thing, that they listened to all the shows. Um, so, you know, I, sometimes I get the question, are we oversaturating the market? Well, there's a lot of horse people out there, and like the Horse Tip Daily Show is going to appeal to English and Western. It doesn't matter your discipline. It doesn't matter if you ride competitively. You could just have a horse in the backyard, and these tips are going to benefit you. So... Um, I think that one's going to cross over everywhere. And, and Chris, something else, too. Um, on a completely different subject, I, the announcement came out that the new indoor arena at the Kentucky Horse Park is opening. Uh, they're doing a grand opening next Wednesday. Yes, yes. So we're going to be doing a special episode of the 2010 radio show from the grand opening and getting a lot of cool guests on. So that'll be happening next week. So that'll be getting ready for the WAG next year. Um, and it looks like uh, they're going to be ready to do the trial competitions, the reining and the vaulting that are going in there this month. So that's all fun stuff coming out of Lexington. Yep, certainly there's plenty, there's plenty going on, uh, Glenn. Well, we appreciate you coming on and telling us about that new show. And, of course, there are other shows that we always mention here on the Dressage Radio Show that um, they can go and find out all about them on the horseradionetwork.com website. That's correct. Well, thanks, guys. You have fun. You bet. Thank you so thanks, much, Glenn. All right. Bye-bye, Heather. Bye-bye. All right, well, good of Glenn to join us. You know, he's got some fabulous plans for the future, Heather, with all kinds of shows going on. Uh, there's really no stopping him. No, I can, um, I'm sorry to, to learn that about him. I've just recently <laughs> met Glenn since I've started on the show here, and it's, uh, it's fun to get to know him. He's a very creative guy. I can't wait to see about the horse tips um, show that he's got in mind. That's a great idea. It is a good idea, isn't it? Because as he said, it, you know, it applies to people in all disciplines. It doesn't matter whether you're a competitive or recreational rider and what discipline you're, you're in or not. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, ho- horses are horses. Horses are horses. That's absolutely. I always used to say there's only one way to push a wheelbarrow. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Although my boyfriend likes to play around with pushing it around with one hand. You know, he sees if he can kind of do a wheelie sort of with a wheelbarrow. He's quite talented. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Well, hopefully not when it's full. He tries that too. You know, <laughs> give him a challenge and he'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Well, what, uh, what have we got lined up on the show this week, Heather? Well, we are going to hear a lot about Aachen this week, the CHIO at Aachen in Germany, which is, um, is finished up on Sunday. And we're going to hear from Catherine Hudad, who was competing there with her horse Cadillac. And um, we're also going to hear from Klatcha van Endel, um, and she's going to give us um, her um, stories and what she's found out and what she experienced there. And um, I might add a few things, too, since I got to go on Wednesday and Thursday and see the per- first part of the Grand Prix also. Yes. So we're going to be hearing a lot about Aachen. 
Yeah, well, it was a nice change for you to go to a show on your feet, too. Well, yes, you know, I haven't been competing in the Grand Prix since I think my last one was November. Um, and since then, the horse that I was competing then, Auto, has been sold since. This is the first um, CBI that I have actually been attended since then. So, you know, some mixed emotions because I really do miss getting out there. And I'm so looking forward to the next time I can compete in that level. And um, But it was great to go and see a lot of the people that I've come to know over the past couple of years here. And it was just a, an exciting, definitely exciting thing to do. Well, great. And you had uh, terrific weather, I hear. If you like heat, I'm, I'm a little <laughs> accustomed to the nice uh, 70 degree high temperatures in Denmark. But uh, we had, we had temperatures in the, in the high eighties, low nineties. And, you know, in Europe, there isn't so, so often so much air conditioning. So it's a, it's a bit hard to get out of it, but it's nicer than rain and definitely nicer than what they had at Gladstone for the Grand Prix Championships that weekend. You know, we weren't um, we weren't under a bunch of rain. It, it was nice. It was it was beautiful there. Yes, because it can be all things at Ark and Candid Heather. It can be really bitterly cold and you know, wind and rain. And I remember for Weg, you if you, were you at Weg in Aachen? Did you visit? I visited. Yeah, two thousand and six. Yeah, yeah, I was. But you remember I, the yeah. weather was just abominable, wasn't it? Yes, and it really can be, you know, uh, different every year. Yeah. Uh, so we did luck out this time, and they were a little warm riding around in their tailcoats and top hats, but um, at least that's only for a quick six minutes in the ring. <laughs> uh, yes, that's true. That's true. Well, we're going to uh, get Clarcher on the line with us here, Heather, um, in, uh, because our show is mainly about Weg, uh, about Arkin. I've got Weg on the brain here now. As <laughs> Glenn reminds me almost every day since he does the Weg 2010 show, and uh, it's all right. about Weg down in here. Anyway, so uh, we, we're going to get uh, Clarcher from Dressage Direct to join us now, and, uh, um, and we'll hear what she has to say about her week in Arkin. Well, Claudia, thanks for joining us. Uh, have you recovered from a very busy week in Aachen? I've recovered, yes. It was a very busy but very exciting week, and I think the most uh, unexpected things have happened. Well, first of all, we, we have to go with the headlines, Clarcher, and, and of course we're very proud as, as Americans here that, that uh, Stefan Peters and Ravel went over and wooed the crowds and, and put on a fabulous performance. So let's start with his story. You saw him in the Grand Prix, Heather. I did, and I couldn't take my eyes off of him. And Ravel, it was just a beautiful picture. Um, caught a little bit of the warm-up and the and the test as well. And it's just uh, it, it's improving every time I see him. And uh, you know, the, just think there's still so much more ahead of them from what they're doing now. It's quite a sight. Very focused. Very relaxed. Just a stunning, really uh, confirmed picture of what we all love to see out there in the ring. Really nice to see. And, and Claudio, from where you you were sitting from a European perspective, uh, w w what did you observe? Um, uh, well, this was the third time that I observed Raphael um, with Stefan Peters. I knew Raphael as an intermediate horse uh, being ridden by Edward Gall. And the first time that I really saw him at Grand Prix level was in Hong Kong. And then, um, just like Heather said, we all couldn't keep our eyes from him, although we saw that he was still a bit green for um, the things asked. And uh, I've seen him at the World Cup Finals, of course, in Las Vegas, and there he was 
brilliant, amazing, and almost did too much, uh, and still was a bit green. But now you hardly could see any greenness at all. And he walked into that the biggest, most uh, big and um, spectacular arena in the world, like he has done that day by day already. So it's it's an amazing horse, and it's an amazing pair, and he looks so, especially, um, he does not only... Um, uh, is, he is not only brilliant in his gait and his fiat but he's also in between so relaxed and it's so, such a harmonious pair. It's just like you want to see dressage. It's, it, it really is special, isn't it? It doesn't seem to matter where they ever are, how many people are watching, what's going on around them. It's just such an internal focus between Ravel and Stefan. It's very, very special. Yeah, it's very, very special. He's, he's definitely, he, said, he, he himself also says that the horse stays extremely relaxed, whatever he asks, and um, that he has no nerves himself to go into the arena because he knows this horse doesn't let him down. And the horse does his work without getting tensed or getting over-enthusiast or whatever. So it's, it's, a, it's a dream pair. And I think you hit on the point there, Heather. I'm sure you you can comment on this, Heather. I mean, for a rider to go in the arena at any level, but particularly at that level, Heather, to be able to rely on the horse not getting tense or spooky or anxious or, you know, so they're not listening to you for even a split second has got to be so satisfying and, and, and and really makes it work for you. Well, absolutely. And, you know, they're so good at reading our minds and, you know, how many of us can go in without even thinking about what could go wrong. And as soon as the horse can read your mind that you might be thinking, oh, gosh, maybe this won't go well, then that's when it really can not go well. And and I think that Stefan just has such a good handle on that. He just goes in and he imagines it going as he knows that it will. And the horse, I, I think, can very easily sense that in him. And the two of them just have no doubt in each other. It's really obvious to see also, you know, when he leaves the ring and the crowd is cheering very loudly and clapping and whistling. And Ravel is on the buckle, totally loose reins, and just walking out with a most satisfied, relaxed, happy look on his face. Very calmly walking out. No nerves, no wanting to act up or be, you know, anything, but just walking. It's very nice also. A good sign. Yeah, and you know that must be yeah, a nice change for for uh, Stefan because you remember how Floriana used to uh, behave in the awards. It could never stand still. So this is a nice change <laughs> for Stefan. Yeah. And so now, what about that. Peter uh, Van Minderhoen, Claudio? What did you think of his performance and the, and the rest of the riders in in the Grand Prix and the and and the special and the freestyle? Yeah, um, I think Hans-Peter Minderhout has proven his worth as a rider again uh, to the world. Um, he won the prize, the Piaf uh, Prize for the best rider of the tournament. He rode three horses, and all three horses, his two Grand Prix horses, Exquisas Capado and the mare that he also competed at the Olympic Games, Exquis Nadine, he rode them in Grand Prix. And he uh, did not have a lower placing than the third place. And he wrote the, the former former world champion, Floriano, or Florencio. He wrote him in the, in the intermediate and pre-St. George class. And also not being lower placed than the third place. So that's amazing for a rider 
to uh, do second test with three horses and become first, second or third. So I think he showed his amazing capacities himself. Well, that's really impressive, isn't it? It is. And he, he also was impressed himself. And he think he's also, um, he was impressed by his horses not being tensed. And he also was impressed by himself being so capable of adjusting to the horse that he rode in the arena. Because the mare, uh, Nadine, she's much more sensitive than Exquise Escapado. Exquise Escapado is more a power horse. He was ridden before by Carl Hester. Uh, some Europeans remember him from the 2005 European Championships, where he was very good with Carl Hester and became fifth individually. So that's a very high ranking for the European Championships. So um, it's, it's a power horse. And um, also, um, uh, I like the words that Carl Hester always said from this horse, his power. But he he's also such an airy and fairy horse, uh, doing his work and enjoying to do his work. And he, he shows that he enjoys his work. And now on Peter, he can just uh, let this airy and fairy horse do his work. He can uh, let do the sensitive mare Nadine do his work, and he can do the stallion Florencio, who was a younger World Cup Championships horse, do his work. So I think he showed his amazing capacities and um, the the possibilities to adjust to his horses. That was fantastic. The the horse coming in third in the Grand Prix was um, one, maybe this will be the last year we get to see, um, perhaps, he's 19, Balagur from Russia, and Alexandra Korolova. He did yeah. quite well, as usual, in his Piaf Passage Tour, getting some nines and a few tens, I think, he scored. Yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. It, it was um, um, one of the teams of Aachen this year, was uh, a lot of mistakes had have been made. There was a lot of rumor about the doping issue. There was a uh, a lot of uh, emotionals uh, going around uh, through the arena, and one of the emotions um, was also about Balakur having such a tremendous joy in his work and do his work with such an easiness, and. Um, uh, talking about the re relaxation that, for instance, um, your uh, American Rafael showed after the test. Um, Balakur was a former police horse, and he, he shows relaxation all the time in the test, after the, after the test, and it really broke uh, some tears. Yeah, yeah the crowd yeah. really loved it, really. Yeah, yeah. really. Oh, and Always nice to get uh, some tens, Klaatje, in there. Um, he had a he especially had a ten for the transitions via passage. That's amazing. Well, uh, we, we of course we have to mention Anki and Salinera. They got off to a little bit of a rough start in the Grand Prix. Not not everything going in tune as she normally is with him. Uh, how, how would you characterize their performance over the week, Claudia? Yes, um, um, Anki said herself um, that it was uh, that, that she got a wake-up call for 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 her fifth position in Grand Prix, and that it probably has been the best thing that could happen to her. She in the beginning of the season she had lost her 
feeling uh, her, her ambitions to compete. She didn't quite know what to do. Then she became she didn't win the Dutch Championships. Became the runner up. She she thought, well, why care? I'm not in uh, good form at the moment. This is just the first show. Then she became third in the Rotterdam Horse Show, and she again thought, well, why why worry? But be, becoming fifth in Aachen, that was the time that she got worries and that she really thought by herself, is this what I want, becoming fifth or 20th? Is this my uh, show life? Or do I really want to to um, accomplish more? And then she finally got herself together, and um, she said, um, we had a, a wake-up call because of this fifth place, and um, this is not what I want. Uh, I like to, I, I'm enjoying riding, I'm enjoying competing, and um, I'm also enjoying winning. And it was it's only myself to blame for not winning, because um, I let my horse be uh, distracted, and uh, I let my horse getting frightened in the arena. I am the one who is into charge, and I have to take him with his attention to me and um, do his things that he has learned and uh, do it in a good way. And then she almost won the Grand Prix special, and uh, the the because she she only failed to to do the last half because she was on the winning score, and then she didn't do the last half. And then again, Stefan Peters and Rafael won. And so she had a very good special, and she also had a very good freestyle. And in the freestyle, only one judge, uh, the Polish judge, Mr. Markowski, made a choice for for Anki and Salimero, and all the others made their choices for Rafael, uh, not only from the technical part, but also from the art artistic part. And I think that's uh, an amazing thing, too, because Anki has always had very much com com a lot of compliments for her artistic part. And now they all, uh, most of the judges agree with the artistic qualities of Rafael being higher. So it was not only the the technical, but also the artistic uh, being uh, superb for Ravel and Seven Peters. But Enki said, this was the best thing that could have happened to me. I have learned a lot about myself and my attitude. And uh, thank you for this wake-up call. And good heavens, Stefan is not an, uh, a European rider, so uh, he cannot threat me at the Europeans. So, Klaatschu, the, there was another tour of Grand Prix at Aachen, which made, I think, a total of almost 60 Grand Prix rides to watch, which was fantastic as a spectator, was the CDI five-star tour. So, um, do you have any um, anything that you want to tell us about that lineup and what happened in that class? Yes, I think um, uh, Princess Natalie Tussain Wittgenstein, the Danish princess that is training in Germany, and that is riding the horses that are bred by her mother. She won two classes with her homebred horse, Ricoletto. She won uh, the Grand Prix and she she became the winner of the Grand Prix freestyle. And I think it's uh, on, on, not, uh, I'm, excuse me, not freestyle or the Grand Prix special. And I think it's uh, a tremendous uh, thing that she did it because she had her very best ride ever. Nobody had ever seen her ride that well and the horse was off the ground uh, doing all his things uh, tremendously well. 
so she made everybody very happy and her mother was in the audience so this was very good well that's fantastic before we go of course we can't ignore um the atmosphere that obviously prevailed around the doping issue with uh, isabel uh, clarcher and uh, yeah and also uh um, out of that, um, it's uh, it, we've had she's had bad news, but then there's also the the happy news that uh, she's apparently pregnant, so expecting her yeah. first child. Yeah, it was a very um, a happy end uh, to to have her that in the end. Um, Isabel um, um, was cheered for at the press conference. Um, it was a very nice moment because uh, Chef Janssen, the Dutch team chef, he said that you cannot ignore, ignore what Isabel has done for the German sport and the dressage in general and that you should respect her. And that uh, caused a big applause from everybody in the in the press room. And uh, the trainer of Isabel, Wolfram Vitesse, said after that that it was quite amazing that the Dutch man had to tell the German this. And... Um, at that moment, the personal news about Isabel was not uh, mentioned yet, but it was later confirmed that she um, is five months, months pregnant of her first child, and she will be 40 this month. So um, I think in the end, um, that was the best news of all. Absolutely. Well, we certainly wish her well and, uh, and we have very happy news for her, whatever her professional circumstances. That is wonderful personal news for Isabel and we wish her the very best of luck with that. And I'm sure we'll be getting a report as it gets nearer to her time. I believe she's expecting the baby in November. Yes, that's right. Wonderful. That's right. Well, Klatcha, thank you so much for joining us again. It's been terrific to hear your account of Aachen and um, we will have you back on again uh, and re with your wonderful reports. We really appreciate it and uh, good luck with the, the, with you and your rest of the season. Um, we'll, we'll be talking to you again, I'm sure, as we get close to the European Championships. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for sending your brilliant uh, American rider to us in Europe because <laughs> it's really the, the only, the, the one time that he will be in Europe. This was his only show to do in Europe. So um, we are all very happy to have seen him in this form. Well, good. Thank you so much, Claudia. Take care. Well, that was great to hear Claudia's account of Aachen. She really does have the inside track on dressage in Europe, doesn't she, Heather? Yep, she does. I think she knows a bit about what she's looking at and who she's um, interviewing, so it's always exciting to hear from her. That's great. Well, uh, next up, of course, is your boy. So we're going to take a moment now to hear about Paragon's Diary this week. Yeah, well, um, Paragon's been having a little bit of some downtime, which is well-deserved since he's such a hard worker, and i got to keep him going slowly enough that he doesn't, you know, climb this dressage ladder too fast. So, But now we're back to work, and um, we found another whole kind of vat of energy in him, which I'm really excited about, because, you know, as you go up the levels, the less leg you have to push with, the better, and I've really been able to just be so light with my aids lately, because he just got another notch of throughness and this feeling over his back that is uh, more than he's had before he's just feeling super through this week and like i said it's just tapped into a whole new barrel of energy that's um it's just so exciting and so fantastic and um he's also enjoying a new saddle custom saddlery has furnished uh, pairing on me with a, a new saddle that's custom fit for him and his back and it's a lot better than the saddle i was using before and i think he's really 
digging that. I think he's very happy to be in his new salary from Custom Salary. So I'm um, really happy for him there. And um, a couple of weeks ago, Chris, you asked me a question about um, who I thought Paragon would be if he was an actor. And I had to do, <laughs> I had to do a little polling around because um, I have... My feeling is that um, if our listeners know who Ashton Kutcher is, I think he would be Ashton Kutcher. Do you know who that is? Oh, absolutely, yes. He's married to Demi Moore, right? Yes, yeah. You know, when when I first saw Ashton Kutcher on screen, I you know, didn't think too much of him. And he was, uh, you know, doing a fine job, but then he definitely grows on you. And then he gets more and more, um, you know, what you really admire in him as an actor now. Um, now, my boyfriend said that his first response was Fred Astaire. Really? All singing yes. and dancing, huh? Quite quite the showman. Yes. The showman, yeah? The showman, and a little bit goofing off on purpose, a little bit, um, you know, a sense of humor that uh, comes across as, as kind of a goofy klutz at first, but then can really quite, you know, quite impressively perform. So I thought that was great. I don't know if all of our listeners are old enough to know Fred Astaire's character, but <laughs> if they are, then um, that, and then uh, my groom, who takes care of him, uh, her opinion was Owen Wilson. So I have the three there that can kind of give you a, um, an idea of what his personality might be like. It's, it's pretty fun. Well, that's, that's quite, uh, quite a combination there, Heather, isn't it? If, we, if you take a piece of each of those characters. Yeah, well, we'll take that. I think we can, <laughs> can get somewhere with that. <laughs> so that's, um, that's about it for his diary this week. Well, I think in conclusion then, Heather, we call him good-looking, a showman, and a bit of a goofball. Yes, that's about right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you, uh, Heather. Well, we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Catherine Haddad. Good show there, Chris and Heather. And, you know, something else that's pretty cool, too, is Equestrian Life. You know, Equestrian Life, if you have not been there yet, you need to go. In addition to being the official social community of the Horse Radio Network, it's one of the fastest-growing horse communities on the Internet. It truly is the Facebook for horse people. Keep track of your friends and their horses, the shows they go to, and how they did, all with Equestrian Life's easy-to-use interface. Expert high-definition videos and live event coverage are the core of the site. Learn from the best in the industry and remote participation in exciting competitions. Being our in-depth interviews and streaming videos will continue to be important areas of emphasis for the site. And they are working on some other cool things like iPhone applications that will help you better share your time with your horses with other friends on the site who are just as crazy about their horses and the equestrian lifestyle as you are. This community is designed by horse people for horse people and is filled with educational and entertaining video and audio of all about our horses. Ride on over to Equestrian Life today. Sign up for free and tell all of your friends. If you love horses, Equestrian Life is the place to be. EquestrianLife.com Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. I know you've come off a very, very busy week in Aachen, but you are based in Germany. How far are you actually from Aachen? Uh, About four hours driving with the horse truck. Oh, well. And you've been based there for some years. Tell us a little bit about where you live and, you know, your situation right now, Catherine. Well, I live in Fecta, which is uh, the center in Oldenburg for Oldenburg Horses. Uh, it's where the FECTA, FECTA auction is held every year. 
and I don't have anything to do with the auction. I have um, I rent a private riding stable outside the city here, and I've been at the same stable for 10, maybe 11 years. I have 20 boxes rented hit there, and they're almost always full with um, up-and-coming horses and also training horses. So do you have sponsors, Catherine, or do you own these horses yourself? I have one sponsor for two of my top horses. Unfortunately, that sponsorship will be ending the end of this year, so I'm looking for new sponsorship. Um, the rest of the horses are either horses that have been put in training by clients or uh, horses that I own. T terrific. So you've got quite a busy enterprise going on there. Do you do much teaching as well as riding? Yes, I do, actually. I, I teach a lot online with the uh, dressage training online site. And uh, I used to do a lot of clinics in the States, which I have not found time to do recently due to my international uh, showing schedule. But I do a lot of clinics here in Europe. And I do teach at home also. Right. Well, Aachen then, of course, being in Germany, is going to be one of your biggest competitions of the year. Uh, you took one horse there this year, Catherine? Yes, that's true. I, I, I took Cadillac, my 12-year-old Danish horse. Well, tell us how that went for you. Badly. <laughs> Actually, it went very badly. It was our worst show of the year. And, and what would you attribute that to? Um, I would say a lack of concentration. I, I think our, our, my preparation with the horse was very, very good. And right up until the point where we got to the event, um, I felt like I was perhaps better prepared for this horse show than I was for any other in the year. Um, but I had a lot of concentration while I was actually at the event, and um, I don't want to say that I was nervous because I wasn't. Uh, I can tell you every every stride of every ride that I did there. But they just, you know, the thing is when you're competing at these at these large venues, there's always a lot of variables, and when you're competing at a competition where um, other elements are thrown in that you're not used to, like team competitions, even though we didn't send a team to this competition, we had a lot of support from the U.S. Federation. And you throw in some variable elements like judging atmosphere at the arena and then um, having a support crew that you're not used to. Sometimes those variables can, can throw off your, your routine concentration that you would normally have at a normal horse show. Catherine, the Grand Prix was divided into the two days, and you were um, competing on the second day, so you had the first day to school your horse in the morning on your own time, and then you could spend the rest of the time watching that Grand Prix. Now, I know when I'm out competing, um, I'm not normally having that much time to go watch the other competitors, and if I did, I don't know if it's always doing such a great thing for me because I can sense tension in them or look at their mistakes and wonder if it will happen to me. What does it do to you? Um, you and I sat there and watched for a little bit together on the first day. You know, what does that do to you mentally to watch the other competitors? Does it help you? Does it make you? Does it not help you? What do you think about that? Well, I have found in the past that if I'm watching really top competitors, people who are doing just a super job in the arena, it helps me because it helps me sort of define and redefine the way I want to ride my own horse. But if I sit through a lot of rides that are very tension-filled um, with a lot of mistakes and I see riders that I know very well having problems in the test, I do sit there and think, oh, God, I hope that doesn't happen to me tomorrow. I don't know how much of an effect that had on me per se, um, but it is, it's always a concern. It, Aachen is, it's, it's the mecca of riding sport, let's face it, and everyone wants to do really well there. Unfortunately, because of the team situation and the fact that it is the biggest show of the year for almost everyone, 
you get a real sense of being under a microscope. And when you sit in that stadium, the Deutsche Bank Stadium, which is, is a bit like a, has kind of a fishbowl effect, with a lot of people staring down at you, and you have to understand also that while well, you do understand this, that, that everyone in that crowd is extremely educated. You're not sitting in front of a, a jumping crowd that's just happening to, happening to look at a dressage test. You're sitting in front of a crowd that knows what they're doing. And when you're sitting in the crowd, whether you're sitting in the crowd or competing actually in the arena, you hear it when you make a mistake because the whole crowd, crowd responds with, oh, and it's, it's like a, an overwhelming vibration through the place. So um, I do think that, that there is a different atmosphere at Aachen than there is almost anywhere else in the world. And even though I've ridden in some very intense stadiums, uh, that cert- I think it certainly does affect both the riders and the horses. And the, when the crowd really must just be not even blinking, because if anything happens, if a horse just taps a toe wrong and it changes, you know, everybody is making a reaction. So it, that's pretty impressive, too. They're educated, and they really are there to pay attention. It's, it's dead quiet until something happens, and you do hear the whole crowd really responding. That, that's, uh, that's impressive. It is impressive. That's, that's why people go to that competition, is to watch every stride of every test. And so how many years have you gone to? How many years have you been to that competition? Have you have you competed there before? Have you gone as spectator? How much? Uh, how many times have you been to Aachen? I was there as a spectator once. I was also there as reserve rider that year. That was in 2006, uh, and then I competed there in 2007, and in 2008, I don't believe I was there even. T- I went down one day to watch in 2008. So I'm I'm really familiar with the atmosphere, and I actually had myself believing that I was prepared for it. Um, but if you, I think I was just taken a bit by surprise somehow. <laughs> I, the other thing is I wasn't riding my, my steady older horse who really is not affected by atmospheres and what I happen to be thinking in the moment. He's a horse who, that's Maximus. He's always concentrated. And if I get a little bit nervous or a little bit unconcentrated, he, he just kind of like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, turn left. You know, he, he always stays mm-hmm. in the moment. The horse I was riding there is Cadillac and, Cadillac is very, very dependent on me for a, a sense of, of calm and um, focus in the arena. So if I'm just a little bit off, he's going to take one of those little steps where the whole crowd goes, oh. <laughs> and then so he's one of those that can definitely read your mind, huh? Well, no. I mean, I would say Maximus reads my mind and, and, and stays with me and says, okay, let's we can do this anyway. And, and Cadillac reads more my body and my um, my sense of being, my aura in that moment, if you will, mm-hmm. my, the electricity in my body. So if I'm not really, really careful to keep the space around the two of us very, very small, um, then, then outside external influences get in, and he's very much affected by that. I was just going nice. to make a comment a moment ago, Catherine. I mean, we must know, you know, what a, an expert crowd that it is at Aachen, and it must obviously influence the atmosphere when you're riding in there, especially when you want to cocoon yourself in your space, as you say, to concentrate. But it's almost like I'd imagine riding in an arena with many judges. It's as if there are judges all around in the crowd because they're that mm-hmm. fine-tuned to every move and they're so very critical and, and they're very, very knowledgeable and educated on it. So I think for a rider, it must be even, you know, it's not just the judges around the arena. You've got judges in the stands. Yes, no, that, that is true. You not only have judges in the stands, you've, 
got the world's best trainers, you've got team coaches, you've got chef equips, you have all of your colleagues from the entire league there sitting there watching you. Um, that doesn't affect me as much as uh, the opinion of the judges, quite frankly. I often feel that the crowd is really with me, and I often feel like I have very many people sitting there, including my best friend Heather, who are very supportive of me. And so I don't, I don't ever feel like, like I'm riding against the crowd. Um, but sometimes, sometimes I think, oh, I'm not really sure I want to ride in front of this jury. <laughs> but that happens. That can happen. That's one of the variables at a show. Yeah, that's something I guess as a rider you have to to deal with. But does when you said your concentration was affected, this wasn't one of your best shows. What was off? What would be your takeaway from this show then, Catherine? Well, my takeaway from this show is I have to remind myself with this particular horse, with Cadillac, that I can't approach a show with expectations. I have to ride down the center line completely detached from the outcome. I have to ride the horse in the moment for me, for the feeling, and not because I want to achieve something. And that's, that's really tough in a team situation. I'm a person who's used to riding always on my own. I, I've been alone at almost every horse show I've ever competed in, with the exception of 2006 when the U.S. team was present. Um, and it's, you know, let's face it, we call it a team sport. It's actually an individual sport. It's a team sport based on the achievements of individuals adding their scores together at the end. So I think I, I need to really remember that when I go to the show and I have to ride for me and for my horse and do what's best for the two of us so that I can help the team rather than That's a really thinking, good point. Yeah, rather than thinking like I did a knock and I was like, okay, now I've got to go down there and get my best score of the year in order to help the team. And that's, that's a different thing. Um, and with this particular horse, Cadillac, that's never going to work. He, he needs a constant sort of reassurance and support from me that has nothing else to do with the outside world. So I was very blatantly reminded of that in the two days that I showed him at Ockham. What a challenge, huh? It's just it's just an infinite challenge, this sport, isn't it? It truly um, is. It is. You know, so many people, especially if they're starting out in their dressage uh, experiences and they go to shows and they're really dealing with a lot of nerves, you know, even if it's going to be a local show, um, whatever is the, the most that they've ever done, they could have the equivalent amount of nerve that you have going to Aachen or, you know, the, the amount of challenge on keeping your head straight. So, um, and I know because we're good friends, I know that you have spent some time in, in meditation and I wonder if you do any of those sort of practices on a sort of a small level or, or you know a, a more abbreviated level when you're at the shows do you do those sort of things and like what kind of advice could you give some of our more beginners um, that are listening on on how they can control some of those thoughts that can go negatively before they go in so i think it's very important as a competitor at no matter what level you're at that you establish a routine at home and that you absolutely stay with this routine when you go to a horse show and i'm not just talking about the way you warm up your horse for me, it starts the moment that I get out of bed in the morning. I start with Qigong, which is a, a Chinese movement and meditation kind of thing that I do to loosen up my body. And I also spend at least 10 to 15 minutes chanting and visualizing what I would like to happen in the day, especially in the test. When I get to the horse show, my groom and I have an almost uh, ritualistic way of getting the horse ready. She does certain things in a certain order. I always put my last boot on first. <laughs> you can call it superstitious, but, you know, there are just things that I do in a certain order, and I give myself a set amount of time to warm up. 
and I usually know how much time I'm going to need and where where that warm-up is going to take place. And then I try to follow exactly the routine that I know my horse needs to warm up for that day. And I think uh, sometimes I'm even, sometimes if I know that my horse is really nervous for whatever reason or that I am, I'll even chant a little bit while I'm warming up, just doing rise and trot because it relaxes both of us. Um, but just the, just the vibration of doing that and the deep breathing of doing that helps me. Uh, I can't say that I really get nervous at shows that much anymore because I've, I've just done it so often. But part of the reason I don't get not so nervous is that I really stick with and follow my routine. Uh, yeah. part, of my, part of the problem I had at Aachen was that my routine, the planned routine that I had for the warm-up got disturbed. And um, that, that took me a little bit out of the space where I needed to be in my head. But again, that's, you know, with a little better pre- preparation that might not happen next time. Yeah, well, that's really great advice. So um, just tell us what sort of things are coming up in your future and in the near future for you and and what you've got in mind, what your plans are coming up soon. Uh, Well, I'm hoping to recover from this little setback at Aachen. And um, I have a couple couple, uh, younger Grand Prix horses that will go out next weekend at a small uh, young horse tour in a place called Vikrad, which is actually very near Aachen. And then two weeks from now is Hickstead, which is, is a five-star, and I'll take my my best top horses there. Um, and then I have a couple more small shows, and then I'm thinking of probably taking a break for one or two months. Not so much for me, but for my horses, because they've really been on the road. Just, I mean, Cadillac has had 18 starts already this year in Grand Prix, and that's a lot. So that's he'll lot. probably finish up with 20, 22 starts, and then he'll be finished for a couple months. He'll take a break and just do some training and some aqua training um, and work on some things that I know I need to make better for the, for the season next year. Terrific. Well, are you going to find yourself in the States at all, Catherine? Well, I'm hoping that's part of the plan. I would hope that next year I could uh, end up at the selections for the World Equestrian Games, which I understand are going to be held um, in Gladstone in August. So that's one of my goals is to have at least one horse and I hope maybe two, possibly three, up and running for that selection process. Um, and, you know, we have to wait and see. There's, there's so many things that can and will go wrong between now and then. Uh, like I said, it's, it's this situation of variables. I, I think you have to be a very very much a middle-line person who says, okay, I can, I can adapt if something changes, because when you're showing horses, things can change at any moment. So you can make plans, but you always have to have a plan B and a plan C, and you have to be prepared to accept that they're going to be just as okay as plan A, B, B or C. Absolutely. Good attitude, Catherine. Well, we look forward to seeing you on the circuit again, and uh, thank you so much for joining uh, joining us today, and good luck with Cadillac, and I know you'll persevere and iron out the little wrinkles, and you'll be back in amongst them before we know it. Thanks very much. All right. Terrific. Great to talk to you, Catherine. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye, Catherine. All right. Well, a big thank you to Catherine for spending time with us. Obviously, a busy time of the year for her, and uh, we appreciate you know, hearing her account of Aachen, because she's quite the resident German these days, and uh, uh, we look forward to uh, her um, following her for the rest of the season, because clearly um, the big competitions are uh, well in her sights now, and she'll be looking for a place on that WEG team next year. So uh, thank you again to Catherine. Well, before we go to your training tip of the week, Heather, we're going to take a short break here for another commercial. You know, not every horse needs a supplement, and selecting the right supplement for your horse can be a science. 
Kentucky Performance Products simplifies your search. You can trust Kentucky Performance Products to give you the most value for your money. KPP offers supplements designed to target specific problems and are made with high-quality ingredients included at effective levels. Each product is backed by sound research and a money-back satisfaction guarantee. This week, I'd love to talk to you about Nalox. The original equine antacid is recommended by veterinarians and leading horsemen as a way of maintaining a healthy stomach, which reduces the risk of ulcers. Nalox can be given daily to horses exposed to stressful conditions such as your competing dressage horses or as needed when shipping, competing, or during stall confinement. You know, Nalox is one of those products that we encourage you to take a look at, read more about, and you can learn more about Nalox at uh, Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com. And you can also check out all of their other fine products. That's Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, Heather, what have you got in store for us this week? Um, well, I have a little exercise to do uh, when you've got some some quiet time to really focus on detail in the walk. Um, and of course, the walk is it's a tricky gait because if you get any tension in it, you know the the quality of it can be lost so easily. The walk, I think, is one of the most fragile gates. So you do have to be careful when you walk when when you start collecting the walk in particular. Um, the exercise is just to be able to take one step at a time and walk and that may sound easy but it it really isn't and a lot of horses are going to figure as soon as you take a step of a walk that you're obviously going to take another one and another one um if you let them take one step and you more or less halt and then another step and then you halt and another step and you do that without too much time in between. So you're basically taking one step at a time. Uh, it can be quite a challenge, and it's a great test of their obedience. Uh, really helps them find a lot of balance between um, go and stop, which I've talked about before in other training tips, and a lot to do with their coordination to be able to start making a step in the same balance that it takes for them to stop the step. So it's a, it's a really effective, simple little exercise to just try to make your horse go one step at a time in the walk and kind of see what that does and you know what it gives a horse and and you might be surprised what kind of increase in quality that um that you get from that so you know i i do that at some point with almost most most of my horses and you know maybe if they're approaching somewhere between between first and second level is probably where I might start challenging them with that kind of exercise but um, and I wouldn't do it every single day and I wouldn't make a big big deal out of it but it's just it's interesting if you try it you might see what um, what sort of either problems you discover or um, successes or additional quality you might get from it so that's what I just thought I would suggest for this week well, thank you, Heather. You just a mine of information, aren't you? They're never short, never short of a training tip, and we know that we're going to hear your training tip of the week on Glenn's new show of uh, weekly training tips. Yeah, well, I just learned that at the beginning of the show, didn't I? <laughs> so I'll be glad to help out with that too. Oh, terrific! You get double play here, Heather. Yeah. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for this week, Heather. Um, be sure to listen next week. Of course, we we have a great show next week. We're going to be talking to Marlene Whitaker, the freestyle choreographer, um, freestyle music choreographer, um, and and she, of course, is very well known among a lot of the top riders. Um, uh, as somebody you you know well, Heather. 
Yes, I have had Marlene help me with three freestyles at the FBI level, and she's fantastic. So that'll be a fun interview. That will be great. We'll be talking to her next week. Remember that you can follow our show notes on dressageradio.com. You can send us your feedback. Leave us a voicemail at 270-803-0025. Or you can email Heather or myself. Uh, Heather's email address is heather at horseradionetwork.com or chris at horseradionetwork.com. We do want to hear from you, and we would love to have you have your, let you have your say on the show. So if you have, have anything that's on your mind, any topics, any hot topics, any questions, any concerns, anything that involves the world of dressage, let us know about it, and we'll be sure to include you on, your, on the show. If you please, leave us, leave us a name when you leave a voicemail. Remember that the Dressage Radio Show has a fan page on Facebook. It's a very popular Facebook page, and there's a link to that on our website. You can also follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. And, of course, you can always read Heather's blog, which she is keeping up to up to date, she told us last week. And you can get information on her clinics at heatherblitz.info. And uh, there are lots of other shows on the Horse Radio Network, Heather, aren't there? You can follow all of the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And we also want to thank again our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. So that wraps it up for today, uh, this week. So, um, Chris, what are you going to be doing until we speak again? Uh, we've got a few things going on. Uh, let me think. Um got a few things going on this week, both with, with radio, um, of course the eventing radio show, I do that as well, um, in my day job, apart from the radio, uh, trying to play some tennis as well, we've got gorgeous weather here, I'll be over at the horse park, there's always something happening over there that I have to go to, so yeah, um, yeah a, a, a busy week and I'm pet sitting for friends as well too this week, so uh, you know, a lot of people traveling this time of the year. Well, that's nice. And you've just been inspired by watching Wimbledon. I'm sure you've been glued to the TV, so now you want to go out there on the courts and see what you can do, right? Well, I absolutely do. I, I just love it. And, uh, you know, we heard from Mary Wanless last week how much she enjoys tennis. And, uh, of course, uh, like many of you are interested, would have followed the uh, men's Wimbledon final with Roger Federer against Andy Roddick. And as much as uh, I'm a great fan of, of, of uh, the Swiss uh, player Roger Federer, would you know? To me, he's the greatest men's te- tennis player ever. Uh, but Andy Roddick gave him a real run for his money, and it was it was a fantastic uh, contest between those two. I thoroughly enjoyed that. So right. yeah, um, you know, a long way off that, but I certainly enjoy hitting a tennis ball. It gives me a bit of exercise. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Heather. Well, until we meet again next week. And good luck and mind your riding. This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode one of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you, one day at a time. I am Glenn the Geek from Lexington, Kentucky, and welcome to the first episode of Horse Tip Daily. This is a short daily show hosted by myself and a panel of experts in all facets of the equine world. I've had the opportunity in the almost one year since I began the Horse Radio Network to interview hundreds of the leaders of the horse world. 
Unfortunately, we only have 20 to 30 minutes to spend with them in the other shows that I do, and many times it's just not long enough to really pick their brains and to learn from all the knowledge that they have accumulated through the years. And that is why that we have developed this show, is to be able to bring some of that knowledge to you one day at a time. Each day, I will have one of our panel of experts with me to give us a helpful horse tip. These tips can and will be anything that you can think of. There are a multitude of experts in the industry that will be joining us to help us learn one tip one day at a time. The tips will be on dozens of topics, including training, riding, driving, showing... Uh, horse photography, groom's tips, nutrition, hoof care, tack and clothing, mouth care, mental preparation, fitness, and on and on and on. Plus, there will be some fun, silly stuff thrown in there, too. After all, this is me doing this show. I'm hoping to keep the shows to 10 minutes at the longest, and probably if it is goes a little over that, it'll be my fault, because I do talk too much. I want to be able I want you to be able to listen to the whole show while making your coffee in the morning or doing your morning feeding. Don't miss a day. Stop over to the website at horsetipdaily.com and subscribe through iTunes or Zoom so that you don't miss one day, or you can just listen right there on the website. Also on the website at horsetipdaily.com, we have built a bio page on each expert that is involved in the show, and we have categorized the tips in such a way that you can search by site or by topic or by expert and listen to a bunch of your favorites right in a row. We'll also talk more about how to use the site as the days go by. Well, let's get started with the first tip. We are thrilled to have with us, I'm just so excited that she agreed to do this on our first show. She's an internationally respected trainer and clinician with experience in many types of training. Julie Goodnight grew up riding ponies and horses on an Orlando farm and competed in hunter-jumpers throughout her youth. She counts horses among her earliest friends. She spent many summer days hanging out in the horse pasture and studying how the horses moved and interacted. During her college days in New Mexico, Julie earned extra money by warming up thoroughbreds at the racetrack. Uh, the cowgirl felt at home in the West and soon hit the trails and, stu- uh, and began studying Western disciplines. Julie is now best known for her award-winning television show airing weekly on RFD-TV, Horse Master with Julie Goodnight. Through the show, Julie hopes to help all riders master their equestrian dreams and skills. And you know, she, she spends a lot of time talking about natural horsemanship, and natural horsemanship is founded on the understanding horse behavior and the idea that horses look for leadership, direction, and assurance that they're safe and acting appropriately. Julie strives to teach you how to master the ideal and emphasizes the importance of lifelong learning. Well, let's say hi to Julie. Well, hi, Julie, and welcome to the first episode ever of Horse Tip Daily. We so appreciate that you're going to be our first expert today. I I can't think of anybody more fitting to do that. Well, thanks, Glenn. I'm glad to be here. Well, you know, we got to know each other a little bit on the Stable Scoop radio show when you were over for an interview, and it feels like I've really gotten to know you actually through Twitter. Um, Yeah. You're very active on Twitter and seem to have figured that out pretty well. And it just, you know, that is one thing about Twitter is you do feel like you get to know people. Yeah, you sure do. And you get to stay in touch. Right. Well, that's what we're hoping that this show we're hoping will actually help people get in touch a little bit better with their horses and all aspects of that. And we want to spend a little bit of time with you today. And I know you have a tip for us. What, do you, what have you got for us on this first episode of Horse Tip Daily? 
Well, it's it's an issue, Glenn, that comes up a lot when I'm at clinics and expos, and it's uh, it's about your horse having good manners at feed time. And uh, so often when it's time to feed the horses, you see horses that are pinning their ears and barring their teeth and stomping on the ground. And uh, I, I think there's a lot we can do to address that problem. And the first thing is to recognize it as a problem and not just a meaningless gesture. Yeah, you know, so, I think we, we've all had horses, Julie, that do that, you know? Well, sure, because what happens is they um, make some sort of gesture, and they're generally aggressive or angry gestures, and then we come by and feed them. And so in the horse's mind, we, we rewarded their behavior. And furthermore, in their mind, they come to believe that it's their aggressive or angry gestures that are causing you to feed them. And that's really where the big problem lies. And we have a tendency to disregard this because the horse is in the pen and we're planning to feed. We don't care whether he makes a gesture or not. So it doesn't matter to us. We know he's on the other side of the fence. We know he can't hurt us. So we ignore it. But it's not important what we think. It's important what the horse thinks. And one way that horses establish dominance in the herd is by taking food away from the other horses. And so if your horse comes to believe that his angry gestures are making you feed him, he also believes he's taking the food away from you. And then guess what? He thinks he's dominant. Mm, So what seems like a harmless uh, gesture is actually eroding your authority with a horse and making him, him believe he's dominant. Well, so what do you do? Well, it's an easy thing to fix. You just need to simply not feed them at the moment that they're displaying bad behavior. That doesn't mean you never feed them. I was going to say, what happens if they're always displaying? (laughs) (laughs) And you don't have to wait a half an hour uh, for them. It's just at the moment you throw the food in, he needs to not be displaying that gesture. And the easiest thing to do is take a flag or a stick or whip of some sort and shake it at the horse to make him back up. Once he's backed up a couple of steps, the next thing he's going to do is pick his ears up and look at you and see what's going to happen next. And then he's displaying good behavior, so you throw the food in and walk away. It's not that the dominant horse never lets the other horses eat. He lets them eat when he says they can eat. So it's just kind of uh, keeping the horse's natural behavior in mind, um, even as you do a simple task like feeding. So what you're doing basically is you're telling him, I'm still in charge here, I'm, I'm the dominant horse, and I'm going to feed you because I want you to eat now. Basically. Yes, and you're, yeah. what you're saying is it's my food, and you can't have it until I tell you you can have it. Huh. Well, that's very interesting. I, didn't, I, I would have never thought about that. Yeah, so it's a simple thing that uh, could, could mean a lot in, in having the right kind of relationship with your horse, and it's something that if you ignore can be causing problems and causing your horse to, to be dominant when he shouldn't be. So not only does the horse have to mind his manners at feeding time, we really have to mind ours. Absolutely, and we have to keep the, the horse's thought process in mind. Well, great. Well, that's a great tip, Julie. You know, where can people learn more about you, or what have you got going right now? Well, there's lots of information about this kind of stuff and and many other training and behavioral issues on the training library on my website, which is juliegoodnight.com. And also my groundwork videos address uh, behavior and relationship with the horse and authority and all that as well. So those are uh, tools that a person can get to uh, really start progressing with their horse and understanding uh, the mind of the horse a little more thoroughly. And that's all at juliegoodnight.com? 
You bet. And they can follow you on Twitter at? Um, Julie Twitter, Goodnight, I think. It, yeah. Yeah. Last yeah, Julie Goodnight. Yep. Great. Well, that's great, Julie. We appreciate you being here. We're going to have you back uh, coming up in, in the coming months. You'll be uh, stopping by periodically with a new tip, and I'm sure everybody will appreciate that. And once again, I can't thank you enough for being part of our first episode. It's my pleasure. We thank Julie for being the first to join us today. Julie will be back with us periodically with a variety of practical and useful training tips. If you like Julie and want to learn more about her, you can find her at juliegoodnight.com. She's also one of the most popular guests we've ever had on the Stable Scoop show. You can listen to that interview at stablescoop.com, episode 40. Don't forget to stop by our website at horsetipdaily.com for our show notes with all the links to all the experts and subscribe through iTunes or Zoom so you don't miss a day. We also have a Facebook page. Just go search for Horse Tip Daily up in the upper right-hand corner. Also, we'd love to get your feedback or ideas on if you know an expert that you think would be great on the show in any area of the horse world, let me know. Just write to me. Go to the website and click on the contact link at the top of the page. And if you have ideas for the tips, uh, you know, the kind of tips that you really want to hear, just do the same. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network. You can find them all at horseradionetwork.com. We do a variety of shows from eventing to dressage to the World Equestrian Games 2010 show to the flagship show of the Horse Radio Network, the Stable Scoop Show. You can find them all and listen to them all at horseradionetwork.com. Well, I will be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, stay safe, everyone.